Flipping a property is a great way to make extra income quickly, but if you don't know what you're doing, time could bite into your budget, reduce your profit, and make you come out feeling flat with exhaustion and no money. However, if you have the organisational skills and the right team behind you, you could have a property that is worth its weight in gold. Today, we are going to talk to our flipping expert, Josh Summers from Universal Property Company about how to coordinate the trades to maximise your profit. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your host is Sue Langda. Real Estate Right podcast has top experts, great topics and thought-provoking information that will make you more confident in your real estate journey. There's an episode for you if you're a first home buyer, an investor, maybe you haven't bought for a while, you're a new seller, a renovator, a downsizer, maybe you're an executor to an estate, or even a developer. We give you the big tips on how you can maximize your real estate dollar. Go to realestateright.com.au to discover the amazing world of Melbourne real estate. Today, we welcome back Josh Summers, who's the co-owner of Universal Property Company, and he's our expert property flipper. Josh has been involved in the construction industry for 15 years. Josh and his business partner, Tony, created Universal Property Company to specialise in the acquisition and restoration of established properties to resell. Welcome, Josh. How are you today? Very good. Thank you, Sue. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Now, it's nice to have you back for 2022. Uh, So many people want to buy a property to flip. It's like a dream to do a quick turnover from of property for cash but the reality is very different while we did have episode 71 with you back in april last year about flipping properties today we're talking about coordinating the trades when it comes to flipping properties for those who haven't heard episode 71 give us a little background about what types of properties you normally flip so uh my background generally is in sort of apartments and uh units um yeah delve into it a bit later in the episode but generally we go yeah. for the I guess those more entry-level properties um, and try to pick them up for a really competitive price there seems to be a lot more uh, accessibility to such projects and hence they're a little bit easier to find the properties that you can buy without outlaying too much money and then getting a great return on so I kind of stick to yeah generally the, the units sort of villas um, and apartments yeah. uh, large apartments um, in blocks are no more than around probably 12 would probably be the max I would generally go yeah yeah sounds good now how important is it to have a team of trades who have the same work ethic as you and understand that they are part of your team because some trades aren't like that are they Oh, most definitely. I mean, I mean, it's like running any business. I mean, you um, you want to have really good people around you and people that can help you achieve the desired result and get things over the line. Um, again, with any business, I'm sure any business owner would agree that 
not everyone's going to love a project or love a business like you do. I mean, as a business owner, it's your baby. It's, it's another one of your children sort of thing, which you're growing and developing like any project, but people without invested interest in it are not going to have the same passion, but to have people who are also dedicated to their job and take pride in their own work, it's, yeah, it's definitely important to try and engage those people as much as possible. Yeah. And I guess that's with any um, employer, yeah, you have to find those people who have those same sort of same ethics as you to, you know, and, it, and it's just the simple stuff like turning up on time or communicating, all that sort of stuff, isn't it? Most definitely. Um, my background's in site management and um, I'm probably lucky enough to have dealt with a, a lot of trades over the years and a lot of different businesses. I've got a lot of friends in the game and having their assistance, you know, such a broad um, experience with different trades and different companies, I've kind of had a chance to handpick the ones that I really work well with and then also give me really good results at competitive prices. So, um, yeah. I, I guess not everyone has that ex- experience along the way. Um, it takes no. a long time to build that up. Yeah, definitely. Now, what are some of the complications you can get with trades? I guess it um, goes of site management. I mean, when you're running jobs, like you're almost um, you're almost a therapist sometimes. I mean, you, you have you're dealing with people one that have their own problems aside of any complications on site. You like when you're pulling apart old buildings, you never know what you're going to come across in a sense that, yeah. you know, you can do all your budgeting. and But once you've really pulled apart, you know the extent of any damage and the works that have to be done. And sometimes you might change the plan along the way, which is going to incur extra electrical or plumbing costs. The roughing costs are the, the biggest um, blowout, which I've sort of generally experienced in these mm-hmm. renovation projects. But as you have trades that may not rock up when you want them to be there um, and then, as long as you can try and still coordinate that, you can still uh, continue on and, I guess, have multiple trades working through and then have those yeah. trades come back and complete their work after. It's a little bit more of a hassle for them generally. But, um, yeah, I've definitely had trades that were unable to be there when we agreed on. But at the end of the day, I had to con- continue moving. So, um yeah. yeah, I think the biggest ones in terms of cost and production is those sort of rough in, those rough in stage. But, once you start closing everything up, everything generally runs pretty smoothly. Yeah, which is good to hear. Now, what happens when one of those tradies don't complete their section of the renovation? Um, how easy is it to delay the next phase or trade for the renovation? Uh, I guess it depends a lot on um, what trade. I mean, roughing is crucial before you can close anything up. So as long as yeah. you know, things like the electrical and plumbing and even the aircon, if you can get those things in pretty smoothly, um, you can definitely get other trades in to start fitting certain sections off. I mean, you've got to get everything closed up naturally. But um, in in the renovation game, I mean, you deal with a lot of um, properties where I might only touch 50% of the property and the rest is I can definitely have trades fitting off and working in those sections. So yeah. in my experience, it's easy enough to work around those things. Um like even I've had um, a good mate of mine who uh, does a lot of my paint and for one reason or another, he was unable to get there at the ideal to allow him to finish quite efficiently. Yeah. Um, and the blowout ended up just being on his end because he had to come and finish off when the kitchen was done, the floors were done and just was a lot harder on his end. But I had to continue on with the project. I couldn't stop. 
but mm-hmm. it just it just hurt him on the other end. But he was happy enough to do that. He took ownership for um, him not being able to be on site. So there's definitely ways to work around it. And I think open communication with your trades is important. Um, mm-hmm. You tell them what you need if they can't service that and you just tell them what the situation is if they can't. Um, meet the requirement um, most people I find um, are pretty easy to deal with with those things again it comes down to having good trades around you and people that you yes. resonate quite well with and good communication just trumps all things yep yeah I completely agree with you there now how many types of trades could you have working on the project at the same time so like put it this way I built my first house off the plan and we were told we would be in by the end of January I told them that if we're not in by Easter so I gave him like three months grace I'd get really upset (laughs) anyway the week before Easter I still didn't have the kitchen in which meant I didn't have the floors in I didn't have tiling and you know appliances and you name it they managed to put the kitchen cabinets in on that Monday we got our certificate of occupancy on the Thursday. So it was a bit of a backyard blitz, if you can imagine. I reckon there might have been about 20 or different people there. But, you know, from putting the timber floors in to doing the tiled splashback, we're talking 2000, like 22 years ago. My God, that's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty insane. What would you feel comfortable in terms of how many trades are on the site at the one time versus what's possible? It's definitely a bit of a Renault rumble kind of scenario. I mean, also with my background is in shop fitting and um, anyone who's familiar with that is the the tight timeframes with hours you can work and make noise and also the amount of work that has to be done in a short space of time. Um, So given that... I've experienced how much of a horrible experience it is to work on top of trades. Yeah. I try to limit the number of trades that I um, would have working um, and it's quite an uncomfortable yeah. environment to work in. I try to avoid that at every cost. Um, I use a lot of trades, which obviously I want to keep using. And if I was going to keep providing a, a workplace, which was working on top of uh, other trades and then like with a lot of trades, comes a lot of mess. It's, it's a really uncomfortable environment to work in. And um, my approach to renovation was smooth as fast. So having people clear access, even though you might have a bulk of trades working at the same time, you get your trades in and out and then on to the next. Yes. It's a really efficient way of working. It, it's clean and um, yeah, you, your quality of work is much higher um, by following um I guess that system. Yeah. Yes. And I guess you'd have work cover claims too if you had too many on at the one time, wouldn't you? Oh, it, it can be dangerous, most definitely. I mean, a, a, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness, as a friend of mine used to say. So keeping a, yeah. a clean site um, is a, it's a lot safer. It's a comfortable environment to work in. Um, yeah. You're not going to do yourself any favours by trying to push things. Ultimately, like with the sort of projects I um, undertake, I mean, you could absolutely thrash yourself to to achieve uh you know maybe a subgrade product a week ahead of schedule 
um, but that's not the aim of game. You want to deliver a high, a high level product, and you want to do it comfortably um, and safely. So, string, stringing yourself out um, just to save yourself a week or two. Yeah, yeah, cool, awesome. So, we will have a short break and come back with more from Josh Summers from Universal Property Company, where he will talk to us about how coordinating both the money and the time are crucial when it comes to flipping properties successfully. You're listening to Real Estate Right, and we are talking to the incredible Josh Summers from Universal Property Company about coordinating the trades when it comes to flipping properties. So, Josh, how much time should we plan for unplanned errors when you plan your trades and material delivery? Yep. Um, Yeah, for my own experience, it's a little bit of a hard thing to uh, answer that question, to be honest, Um, as we generally take on our own projects. where we sort of specialise in acquisition and uh, then uh, resale, um, allowing for unforeseen errors is not really an issue we have. I mean, we don't have a set deadline. We have an ideal deadline. Um, yeah. But, you know, as, as things come up, we we engage them as they arise. And, you know, if we have to prolong our sale date a little bit longer to overcome those issues and it's not too much of an issue generally I mean we we just had yeah. one near the end of the year here where um, we we're hoping to have a, the property sold um, before the end of the year um, unfortunately yeah. we still needed to get a little bit of documentation for some courtyards over the line and um, when you're dealing with you know solicitors and other owners and getting paperwork signed and approved and stamped and returned, um, you lose a little bit of time in that regard. So uh, we've got a auction mid-January this year, which obviously we've lost, you know, maybe three weeks, but um, ultimately it's not that big of a deal. It was unfortunate. We have a, we had a date which we ideally wanted to sell, but well, we weren't able to achieve that. But um, three weeks is three weeks. I mean, it's unfortunate yeah. and we had a, we had a, we had a target goal, which we didn't quite meet, but it doesn't really affect us too much in the scheme of things. So um, in terms of allowing for that time, uh, we do our best until we can't do it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I, get, I guess that's the key, isn't it? It's that, you know, just be flexible and and have that flexibility in your budget to know that you may have issues along the way. Most definitely. I mean, we can renovate these properties in between six and eight weeks um, and that's... Mm. that's pretty good going um, for the, you know, the amount of work we do and the quality we achieve we, between me and my business partner, yeah. we have a pretty good system down, but uh, when you're engaging in other parties, I mean, as we, we talk about all the time, I mean, if it was just us sorting all these things out, we could do, we could do it and have it all done and set in that period of time. But when you you're outsourcing and you've got to rely on other people to get things uh, over the line, sometimes, you know, people run on their own clock. So, um, it's not always achievable. You do your best until uh, until that's kind of comes to fruition. Yeah. Um, the other issue at the moment, which I'm hearing a lot about from the building trade, is that material availability is a bit of a major concern. Are you finding that? Oh, most definitely. Um, like with our kitchens and stuff, the turnaround on them, we've been fortunate enough to be able to get them when we needed them, but it was touch and go. Um, a lot of the materials... When we've seen it available, we've ordered um, and um, I guess banked uh, more than we needed at the time, knowing that it might not mm. be available in a week and every time that it's been the case. So we've been lucky to be able to manage mm. it at this point. 
But um, yeah, we definitely have concerns for some of the bigger builders of what they're going to do. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of a lot of slabs down in um, you know the estates that uh, they're going to rely on a lot of timber early in this year. Um, where they're going to get it from, yeah. I don't know. Um, no, I've heard of some builders who built big sheds and accumulated a lot um, in their interim, but. Yeah, it's definitely not a yeah. long-term fix. Um, the, I guess the supply no. chain, the supply chain is crucial at the moment. So we've been fortunate so far, but definitely see it being a problem. I've heard CSRs on a bit of a uh, strike or something like that, so it's hard to even get cement and and a few other things that they supply um, to you know get the bricks up as well as the timber shortage. Yeah, yeah, there's um, there's definitely been kit from every angle lately so uh it's going to be interesting to see what happens as i said we've been lucky so far but definitely um couldn't see some issues yeah um definitely what's the ideal ownership time for a property that you decide to flip uh this is very dependent on the individual personally um i've had this conversation with a number of my friends about what i'll suggest in this sort of thing and um basically all i can say is you've got to go in with a plan I mean, yeah. There's, there's so many ways to go about you know, your property investment. You've got to tailor something that's going to suit you. When you want to be able to free that money up again, you know, how long you plan on holding the property, how much you want to spend on the property, do you want to you know sit and forget, yeah. or do you want to make a, a quick return? Um, so, you know, even as something as simple as whether you do it in a personal name or through a business name can affect you know, your ultimate plan. I mean, if you sell too soon in a, in a personal yeah. name, you're going to be hit quite hard by capital gain tax. Yes. Um, so, yeah, the best thing I would tell people is go in with a plan of what you want to do and what you hope to achieve out of your property investment strategy and yeah. then go have a chat with your accountant from there and just say, this is, what, this is what I would like to do, what's the best way to go about it. So... If you put it under a business name, if you buy buy a property under a business name, you won't. You'll be sort of like subject to income tax rather than capital gains. Is that right? Or like, was it just like? Ah, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly that. Yeah, so you'd be paying the thirty percent or whatever, twenty eight percent or whatever the business tax is on any profit. Yeah, correct. Yeah, but then you can claim all the GST and stuff. Could you or not? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Sued now with doing it through a business name. Um, the new business tax is set at twenty six percent, but then you have GST on top of that. Um, we're in a, in a little bit of a position at the moment where we're questioning a few things with our, our GST outlay. But um, yeah, for the most part, the business tax is set at twenty six percent. GST, which um, helps you get charged from all your trades, is all claimable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, Paul, yeah, GST. Um, plus your um, uh, tax, you know, you're looking at 36% worst-case scenario, um, depending on what you can and can't claim. Yeah. And then you can sell it as opposed to doing it through a personal name, which if you sold in the first year, you're looking at 50% capital capital gains tax mm. and then 40% in the second year, I believe 30% there on after. So yeah, it hurts. you basically pick up, you know, a year of your time if you do it through a business name. Yeah. Good advice. But then again, you do also have the establishment fees from um, setting up that business. But if you're going to do multiple properties, you would literally save those establishment fees on your first property. So yeah, nice. there's a couple of things to weigh up. Yeah, definitely. Now, 
I know we've talked about this back in episode 71, but what should you be looking for when it comes to buying a property in terms of potential outlay versus potential return? Oh, it's most definitely the biggest part of our strategy is finding the properties with the right margins, which is the, probably the hardest part of the business model. Yeah. Um, you know, find, finding that property uh, that you, you obviously that everything's going to have an outlay to get a good return. No one just buys a property for X amount and sells it for X plus 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 just, you know, a month later, you've yeah. got to be prepared to do the outlay. So, you know, the, the due diligence behind that and doing strong comparables um, and I guess almost knowing what the property you have and what you can turn it into and finding those comparables mm. is, um, you know, the, the biggest part of what we try to do and knowing what we can, you know, turn that property into and that's what we're going to base our comparables off. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is the hardest part of it, but, you know, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Well, that's true. But, again, like you've got a great team of trades behind you. You've also got to have the great team of business professionals behind you as well, don't you? Oh, most definitely. I mean, you can do all the due diligence you like. I mean, but my, myself and Tony have been in the game for, you know, quite a long time now and yeah. we still engage with um, buyers, advocates and property consultants to help us find these properties because, you know, as as much as we're in the trade every day, we can do the construction every day. That's what we're, we're exposed to. I mean, real estate agents. Are, That's your experience. Yeah. They're exposed to the market every day. So, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on it, no matter how long I've been in the game. Yeah. I think you and me both there. Anyway, thanks so much, Josh, for coming on today. It's always great having you on. Now, where can our listeners get to see some of your work? Uh, you can check out, I think, our web. I believe our website's now up and running, uh, Universal Property Co. Um, otherwise, we do have our Instagram up and running, uh, Universal Property Co. Yeah. Look us up and, um, yeah, check out some of our work. Um, we should have a couple projects being posted in the near future. Yeah. I, I had a quick look yesterday. You've got some impressive uh, style going on there. You know, you've done well with some of them. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Anyway, thanks again, Josh. It's always a pleasure having you on. No worries. Thanks very much, too. Thanks, Josh. Now, next week, we have the ever-charismatic Frank Volantic from Advantage Property Consulting to talk to us about how to make an offer with confidence. Frank is always a wealth of information, so this episode is perfect for those who are tired of missing out at auction or private sale and just want to sign on the dotted line. So don't miss it. Real Estate Right is produced by Real Copyright, one of Melbourne's leading real estate copywriting companies, and is written hosted and produced by me, Sue Langada, with the support of my production and social media assistant, Lisa Fisher. All information given on this podcast is a guide only and delivered to help you understand the intricacies that can happen in real estate. We recommend that you get professional advice that is designed for your own personal circumstances. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting this podcast premium beat for their music francis morello for his voiceover and zoom for the recording if you have a real estate story that is inspiring or a great how-to tip please contact lisa on 5977889 to find out how you can be a guest on real estate right in 2022 if you would like to know more about our copywriting services 
please email Lisa at orders at realcopyright.com.au. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Right. It's where buyers, sellers, renters and investors get their real estate right. Oh, 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 oh